Blog Talk Radio. From Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you make things better. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to my favorite parents program of the month. It's time for our parents panel. We do this the first Tuesday of every month, and um, I know that we have at least three of our parents panel members uh, ready to leap into action here. Uh, just because it's the parents panel doesn't mean you shouldn't call in. We do have uh, room for people to call in on our five phone lines that we are uh, designated. Uh, the call-in number, 347-994, excuse me, 2981, 347-994-2981. And I'm going to bring our parents panel members on immediately here. Uh, welcome to the program, Susie. Hey, Dr. Green, how are you? I'm well, how are you? Good, thanks. And uh, welcome to the program, Peter. Hi, Dr. Green. How are you today? Very well, thank you. Good. And um, back from injured reserve, we are bringing Sharon back into the parents' panel again. How are you? I'm good. I'm back. (laughs) You are back, and we missed you. Thank you. Uh, You and Peter aren't aware of this, but or or maybe because you may have listened to the program, but... um, the last program was conducted live from the parking lot of a Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> in a snowstorm. Remember that dump? Well, there, was a, there was this dump of snow. I think it was the last dump that Boston got about uh, four weeks ago, almost exactly. And um, it was on that snowstorm that I just remember thinking to myself, um, why do I live in such a snowy place? And then, unfortunately, well, uh, I, I was in San Diego that same week, and that made it even worse because, of course, San Diego didn't have, you know, 50 inches of snow on the ground. But um, we haven't been dumped on lately, so that's pretty cool. Um, I'm always I'm always starting our parents' program these days by asking our parents' panel members if they have anything on, on their minds today, any topics they want to bring up before we turn to the topics that I might want to bring up. Anybody have anything they want to start the program with today? Um, silence is deafening. I can jump in. <laughs> Peter, go ahead. Well, we um, for my son, my older son, we started the process of doing an IEP, an individualized education plan, and we're going to incorporate some collaborative problem solving in it. So that's, I think, a good progress. The schools accepted it, and and uh, I think it'll work well for them. So you have a school not only trying to do collaborative problem solving, but actually writing it into your son's IEP. 
not not uh, complete. Uh, yeah, to some degree, we will we will um, have have part of it codified in the in the IEP. That's right. And what parts of any ideas on what it's going to say that lets people know that collaborative problem solving is what he's supposed to be getting from your school? One of the things I want them to do is uh, do a lot of proactive problem solving with him. So if he does get frustrated, um, we find that it's uh, not very productive to try to solve the problem right then and there, which is traditionally the, the way to deal with things. And so we're trying to uh, write in the IEP that we keep the language very, very simple and short um, when he's frustrated, and then follow up with um, with trying to do the the three steps. Outstanding. What we found too is it, within the home, um, we we discovered that our younger son is very dominantly visual. Both of our children turn out to be very visual, and um, we've almost given up completely on trying to do pro or uh, emergency plan B. And, and and believe it or not, that's helped. Less emergency plan B has helped because um, we're doing the same amount of proactive plan B, but it seems more effective now because when we bring up the topics in emergency plan B, they don't want to talk about it later. They don't want to repeat it. But if we just keep our language very simple and short and separate the children if they're having if if it's a sibling issue, and then bringing it up proactively then uh, we find that um, it's the first time we've talked about it, and then they're much more willing to to actually uh, participate in collaborative problem solving. I must say, not only is proactive plan B easier for the kid most of the time, it's easier for the adults too. Um, because it means, you, number one, you don't have to be quick on your feet to make a ABC or a BC decision in the heat of the moment. That's better. Um, you're deciding what your priorities are ahead of time. Those are the things you're doing proactive plan B on, so you've organized the effort. You know what you're working on. That's plan B. You know what you're not working on. That's plan C. I have been emphasizing, and Peter, you've been to a recent talk of mine. Susie probably as well. Um, both of you are um, real clear about how strong an emphasis on proactive um, and I mean, so so if you're, uh, I'm not going to be upset at all if you never do emergency plan B again. Um, emergency plan B is really for those outliers, those you didn't know it was coming, you had no clue. Um, but emergency plan B is not the ideal way to solve problems durably. Um, and it means you're doing plan B in the heat of the moment, usually when you're in a rush. And that's just not... Um, great timing or a great scenario for solving problems. So these days I'm telling people it's there if you need it, but um, um, you probably the goal is to not need it. May I and just say one? Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, Peter, um, yes. could you just remind us how old is your oldest son, please? Oh, sure. My oldest one is uh, eight. Yeah, that's what I thought. One, yeah, he just turned six. Okay, and, and yeah, yeah, go ahead. What what was confusing for us is that 
they're actually both quite articulate. They can both they both have fairly good language skills, except when they're frustrated. Wow. And that was that was confusing us because we thought, okay, well then they should be able to reason things out when they're frustrated, and that's totally not the case. So if we just keep them separated or or we deal with the situation so that they have a chance to calm down, then later they access their language skills. For some reason, they they can't access it when they're frustrated, and our attempts to do plan B with them when when they're frustrated was actually turned out to be very, very counterproductive. What I was going to share with you is I can remember uh, with our son, um, and I'm not sure if this will help or not, but when our son, of course, proactive plan B is what you're aiming for, but in those times when he gets frustrated or hot, and um, we had a safe place within the school and written permission, the teachers all knew that if my son got frustrated, he was allowed to leave the room where he was and go to this designated spot and calm himself down. And you would, um, this was more in middle school, so I realized I'm not sure if they would allow an 8-year-old to be, you know, walking independently down the hall. But um, frequently, when my son was in middle school, you would see him laying on the floor in the guidance counselor's office, just taking some time, calming himself down, and then he'd go back to class. Wow. That's a great idea. Just a designated safe place. We also tried to do that within our home. You know, it's interesting. Um, when my older son started middle school, so he was probably uh, 10 or 11, mm-hmm. uh, they came up with a brilliant idea. There was a kitchen in the middle school that he would start the day either with a big green, those inflatable balls that, you know, you do sit-ups on. Mm-hmm. He would sort of roll on that ball before, you know, he went to his first sort of class. Or maybe his first class would be making a cake mix, you know, which involved math skills. But it would sort of calm him down and get him ready for the day if he was anxious about school. So schools really need to, uh, Susie's right, there there has to be a room or a place where a child can go that um, whether they're frustrated and they need to calm down or at the beginning of the day, sometimes they just excited and frustrated when school begins and they they just don't know how to start so it sort of gets them acclimated to the day by having maybe the first period of the day be a place where they can sort of unwind before they begin that's a great suggestion my son made cake like every day (laughs) chocolate cake every day to start his day and then he followed a recipe so that was sort of helpful with math Mm -hmm. and uh you know, it gave him sort of a love of cooking, which he still has today at the age of 20. Wow. So that's a thought that's you cool. can bring into schools as well if they have a kitchen. Um, you know, when you have a I guess middle schools, they, they start having maybe, you know, cooking. My son loves to cook. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you could talk to teachers about something that he could do. 
uh, maybe in, even in the school cafeteria, if there's a way he can help or he can watch them do the cooking for like a half an hour to go down there. You know, that you have to think outside the box sometimes and make it a learning experience as well. And if he likes to cook, he could be excited about being able to go and watch the preparation of some sort of um, meal. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. And those are all, some of those are things that you do once the kid is already hot. And some of them are things you do just to start the day well. Mm-hmm. All good stuff. Exactly. The days <laughs> the days never seem to start well sometimes, you know, back in those back in those days. Just even getting out of the house and getting dressed. I remember how frustrating that was. And um and actually getting to school and with with everything you need. So by the time you, you got there there was already something starting to brew emotionally. I don't know about you guys. I'm nodding routine. my... Oh, sorry, Sharon. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what your routine is in the morning, but I remember, I still remember how stressful it was just getting out of the house in the morning. I'm nodding my head yes because my 16-year-old is still in bed and not at school. So uh-huh. if that gives you... Yeah. Well, you know what? Can I tell you, Susie, There, there is a hope because my uh, almost 16-year-old Every single day, it's the same thing, you know, get out of bed, get upstairs, get in the shower, hurry up, get out of the shower, hurry, hurry. And you know what? The last two days, he's been like, all of a sudden, something clicked. Really? Never know. Since the the break, he's been getting up and first time and getting out of the shower without me screaming. So um, it's very nice. It can happen. So Absolutely. I've acknowledged that on the way to school. Uh-huh. How nice it is that, you know, he doesn't have to hear me nag. It's a win win. I'm yeah. happy, he's happy. And he gets it. So Oh, that's great. Yeah. And there's, there's always hope, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, you know, I actually did have a theme for today and this sounds like a good time to weave it in. Are you ready? Mhm. Ready. Susie, you said that your uh, 16-year-old is still in bed. Yes. Now, some people who would listen to that would um, wonder what the heck you're doing. (laughs) And so my theme for today was, and it's one we haven't really covered. We've covered schools and we've covered spouses or significant others. What do you tell other people if you're in a position to have to explain why you're doing what you're doing and why you're not doing why a lot of, what a lot of people think you ought to be doing how have you all explained yourself to people how do you do you explain yourself to people we have lots of parents listening who um one of the hardest things about having a challenging kid is looking bad in front of others and having others judge you, pass judgment on you, because of how you're parenting your challenging child. How did y'all manage that? How do you still manage it? What do you tell other people about why you're doing things the way you're doing things? 
You know, I have to say my 20-year-old son is still in bed as well and uh, not in school at the present and not working at the present, but doing a lot of sleeping. And, um, you know, I've gotten to the stage or the point where I am very open and honest. People that don't know me will ask me how old my children are. And when I say 20, they say, where is he in school? And I say, he's not in school at the moment. Well, what's he doing? I say, well, he's really not doing anything. Uh, I said, we'd like him to find a job. That's been challenging. And I find more people so understand because I think so so many people have kids that have, you know, tried different school programs that haven't worked. And I find that I really don't have to explain a lot at um, this stage of my life. People understand. And I'll say my son has some challenges, and right now he doesn't really know what he wants to do. It's kind of a work in progress. We're just working at it. And people are so understanding. I think when he was younger and he um, was hard, maybe I wasn't as confident in my answers at the time and I wasn't as confident in my parenting and thinking still maybe it was me and not the way my child was wired. I didn't know I didn't know what to say sometimes to explain his behaviors but you know now that he's older I find it a lot easier and I find that even though he might not be doing what I want him to be doing at the moment um I'm just very honest about it and I find people are much more understanding and a lot of them are uh, in the same position with their kids whether their kids have the same challenges mine does or not so you're honest. I'm honest. I say my child has challenges. He has um, some, you know, sometimes I'll say special needs. Sometimes I'll just say what his, sort of his diagnosis is and that school hasn't worked out for him and we're trying to find an alternative. And you know what? Sometimes people have great ideas. And sometimes they, someone will say, oh, well, I know someone who does this. So I think if you're honest, maybe you can even get a, an intro to something that you hadn't thought of before or someone has a suggestion. So I'm always open to suggestions. You never know what they're going to lead to. So I always find it's best to be honest. Do you ever have people who start giving you advice knowing not enough about your son to be giving it? Well, you know what? They Now that he's 20, they don't. When he was younger, I got it all the time. Um, either I wasn't strict enough or I should do this or I should do that or I should change his diet or he should take a vitamin. You know, I had all that stuff. But I, at this stage, you know, I think the people that know us know the journey that we've had and what we've, you know, gone through to get our child, you know, sort of happy, happier and, in a, you know, sometimes he's in a good place, sometimes he's in a challenging place, but... Our friends know our journey, and the people that don't, really, I think by the time your child is 20, I notice how I still call him a child. Um, he's he's a always adult, a child. I yeah, I guess so. He's always my child. Um, I find people want to be more helpful, and they don't judge. I think people respect me and give us a sort of look at us differently because they 
see us that we're very involved in our community and we're very active and we're, we we appear to be happy all the time and you know they go hmm and she has a challenging child wow so you know I think we we try to be role models for other people and uh, and you know what can I tell you it's been a it's been a long journey and it still continues but uh as you know us Dr. Green we try to put a positive spin on things and we realize that you know this child is with us for a reason and we want to give him the best life and we're going to try to continue to do it it doesn't always work out but uh you know the way you planned but you just have to stay positive words of wisdom hmm. Susie you ever run into people who you have to explain what you're doing to and I would say all the time, and interestingly enough, um, I've noticed uh, that people people have not been so understanding this time round. Um, this is our second challenging child, um, and advice is uh, constantly given. Um, that's no disrespect against our family or friends. It's just it is what it is, so the saying goes. Um, I'd say I've tried always to not care too much what other people think, but this has this experience has given it's a very humbling journey, I would say. Um and and i think what just helps me the most is many many times throughout the day i just um repeat the mantra children do well if they can and i i understand that she is just so she's actually tortured right now by anxiety and if she could get to school, she would get to school. It is not her idea of a good time. What is it? At twelve twenty, laying in bed on a school day. Um, I just, uh, you know, she she has some very difficult problems ahead of her that um, she needs to address, and we have to help her, but. I think one of the best parts from your book, The Explosive Child, is throughout the book you always give us parents the insight what it's like from the child's point of view. And that to me is just so helpful and so encouraging and um, what's a very difficult time right now in our lives um i just keep holding on to the model and um trying to do proactive plan b as much as we can um i guess that's all i wanted to say now i just want to make sure our listeners know 
Um, you okay with your daughter laying in bed for the rest of her life? Of course not. And but but what good? I mean, I could be a human alarm clock, and believe me, I've tried many times this morning to wake her. But me screaming and fussing isn't going to get the job done. And I know that this isn't going to stay like this forever. It's just. Right now, she is just paralyzed by anxiety, and until we help her with that, which may mean um, fiddling with her medication um, to to help her as well, um, but until until some things are in place and and start to address the underlying problem, it's just a symptom of the problem. It's so why don't you just, and by the way, we do have a caller who will be taking in just a few minutes after we ask Peter how he deals with this, um, but um, why don't you just get her to pull herself up by her bootstraps? <laughs> um, and then I would just reiterate that if she could get out of bed, she would get out of bed. She is just totally and completely shut down. But aren't there things that a kid just has to do and isn't going to school one of them? Um, yes, school school is their job and it's it's one of the most important things that children need to do. But there are times with children that you're just not able to do well, and as adults as well. There are times, I'm sure, there are times when you knew that you had to do something, but for whatever reason you just weren't able to do it. I constantly try to remind myself and put myself in the other person's shoes like that. So if she could go to school, she would go to school. Yep. It's not your goal to have your daughter lay in bed <laughs> for the rest of her life on school days. Especially after coming off one week of vacation, correct? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I guess it wasn't enough, Susie. <laughs> <laughs> Sharon, we did miss you. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently your goal is to try to address the issues that are making it hard for her to get up and go to school so that someday she can get up and go to school? Absolutely. I just wanted to make sure that I was crystal clear on your thinking here. Yes. Um, Peter, uh, ever have to deal with this? Sometimes. Um, what we did notice, we, we tried early on, we noticed that uh, when we were out, um, my children had trouble making transitions. And so we learned over time uh, just sort of what to anticipate more. Um, If we're at other people's houses, they have a a lot of trouble with uh, screen time, television. And what we've we've been able to do is uh, before we go to places, we we often have a a talk with the other parent or other party that um, they, they may have 
difficulty getting them to stop um, with the television or if there's a game console. And and generally, they've been very supportive because we, we don't really uh, have a lot of TV in our house. And what, what they do is they just, uh, if it's a play date or something, then that, that activity will end a little bit earlier to give the, the time for transitions. So we've, we've been able to ask for help and and the other the other parents um, are usually very willing to help out. So just try to, for us being being proactive about it has has helped the most. And y'all, uh, Peter, I don't know if you have grandparents in the picture, but um, are sometimes grandparents can be especially um, judgmental because there's an excellent chance that collaborative problem solving is not the way they raised you. And um, you turned out great. What do we say to grandparents who are weighing in, often uninvited? What do you do? What do you tell them? In in my case, (laughs) sorry, Sharon, we're going to let you wait. Sharon, hold hold it because I I can't wait to hear it. But let's. (laughs) (laughs) Peter, go ahead. Sharon, hold the thought. We do want to hear it. I didn't have that problem with um, my grandparents. Um, it was. It no, I'm was, talking about uh, your, the, the, or, your children's I mean, grandparents. My, my children's grandparents. They were they were the ones who gave us the explosive child. No kidding. To read in the first place. So that no was, uh, you know, that was uh, where it That's all started impressive. for us. You know. Sharon, what were you going to say? No, I mean, um, unfortunately, we don't have any. No, we have no grandparents. Oh. And. I um I feel that my my parents would have embraced my children's issues regardless and um that was that was always a threat of mine because I know that I could have just driven up the driveway and dropped my kid off and said I'm not you know you keep him for 4 hours and it would have been fine and and it would have been great so um, I know my mother could have dealt with anything, and uh, I'm envious of people that do have uh, grandparents. And you know what, though, sometimes the kids behave so differently for the grandparents mm-hmm. than they do for the parents. There's something about unconditional love sometimes with grandparents, and um, kids are just are different. It's I, I mean, um, my husband's sister is a good deal older than he is, and um, so she was kind of like a grandmother to my kids, and they always always behaved totally different. They were perfect for them, and then they couldn't understand why I'd be complaining about my kids' behavior. Well, there you go. Uh, The the problem, of course, is that not all grandparents are unconditionally loving, and that's that's where life can get a little bit more interesting. Susie, any experience with grandparents? Um, yes. My mother-in-law is a psychiatric social worker, and she was oh actually <laughs> the one who introduced us to your way of thinking. That having been said, and so, you know, that will always be the feather in her cap, but... Um, Interestingly enough, we have had some very spirited 
discussions, um, and it probably has bruised our relationship a bit. Um, unfortunately, I hold grudges, but um, she, you know, she is very uh, strong-willed and opinionated, and while she takes a lot of what you're saying, she still believes in consequences and punishments. So um, it's uh, it's been a bit of a bumpy road. Shall we take our caller? Sure. Sure. We've got a caller from area code 416. That's all we're going to say about you because that's all we know about you. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the parents panel. Now, this, this sometimes happens. Area code 416, did you have a question or comment? Oh, hello? Yep. Oh, hi. I'm just new. It's my first time calling in. Sorry, so I'm not exactly sure of the protocol. Uh, it's the, the first protocol time I've joined. Is, the protocol is you just start letting us know about what you're thinking or what question you have. Just don't give us any identifying information. <gasps> Not so much a question at this point. I just, uh, explosive child came to my attention uh, just this past weekend. We've been struggling for the past couple of months um, to try and identify um, a strategy to help our son out. Um, uh, he's six, so quite young. Um, so just have started trying to understand the collaborative uh, problem-solving uh, principles. Uh, I'm waiting on delivery of the book. <laughs> I just got shipping confirmation now, so I'm waiting on the, on, on the book. Yay. Um, I've ordered a couple copies. To give to grandparents and uh, teachers and ourselves. Um, we're fortunate. My child's in a daycare setting, and they've been very accommodating. But they just don't have the tools. They're looking to us to be able to provide them with some guidance on what to do. So uh, we're in sort of constant communication with them. Uh, I gave them sort of the one pager on collaborative problem solving from the website yesterday, and uh, they worked with, uh, with with our son to come up with his list uh, in a good time and. Um, yeah, so I'm new to all this. It's, so far, I'm fascinated. I feel like uh, we've got a long road ahead of us, but I feel like I actually have something I can I can try, which is what I've been struggling with up to this point. My son's not been assessed or anything. We have an appointment with a specialist in uh, May, so um, knowing that that also isn't going to offer any silver bullets, but uh, I feel like I actually have something to try, so I, I have a huge sense of relief, um, even though knowing that we've got a, a long road ahead of us still. So, you know, I'm glad you called in even though you didn't you don't have any questions and yeah. you know, it's it's great that you are um accessing the some of the resources just by calling in today or or listening in today. Um you've already begun accessing all that there is that lives in the balance offers to help people understand um and help uh, kids with behavioral challenges, but now I'm going to put our parents' panel on the spot. It's not, you know, often the people who either write in or call in have already started, and here we have you who has only just begun. Yeah. Um, parents' panel, if you had to offer our caller a few words of wisdom as she begins her journey, what are your words of wisdom as people who have uh, been there and uh, done that, and uh, some of you are um, further down the road than others. But uh, do you have any words of wisdom for our caller? Uh, Sharon? 
Okay. Um, first thing is write your name and magic marker in your book so that when the person you loan it to <laughs> doesn't give it back, <laughs> open it, they see your name. I, I went through four copies that I never got back from people. They liked it so much. So that you have something to look forward to. Um, and I think I, I remember reading through it, trying to find someone that I could identify with, um, and I, I identified my son in a lot of different scenarios. Um, and it's not like you – I also say that you can't always um, try try everything that's said and be successful. Maybe just one thing will work. Um, you know, the basket A and B thing seem to work for us. You'll see when you, when you see the book. Um, Dr. Green, his best piece of advice for me is – you can't make everything an issue. Decide what's important. If he doesn't want to brush his teeth, he doesn't brush his teeth. No one ever died from not brushing their teeth. Um, if he wants to eat cookies for dinner or ice cream for dinner, I remember Dr. Green says it has milk in it. It's okay. No one ever died from eating, you know, ice cream for dinner. Mm-hmm. So, you, you, you know, don't feel you have to follow everything to the T to get a result. Just sort of pick and choose and see what works for you and your family. Susie, you want to weigh in? Um, I just think that it's it's great that you've um you've begun this journey and the good news is, I mean it's never too late to start, but that your I think you said it was your son is 6. Yes. Yes. So so that's a wonderful time to um, to start before these unsolved problems start to pile up. You've just, um, you know, it's going to take some time. Dr. Green says it's like trudging through mud. I say some days are like trudging through quicksand. But um, I just, it's wonderful that that you're doing something different and and really trying to hear and understand and create a helping relationship with your child. The other thing that I used to do on um, very difficult days, and I see that now it's once again available, is to buy the CD and listen to it in the car as you're driving or the DVD, you know, if you're around the house more. Um, And you always pick up some little thing, some little new thing along the way. But good luck to you. Thank you. Peter, any words of wisdom? You're you're more in the thick of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, any I think, words of uh, wisdom for somebody just beginning the journey? I haven't gone that far, but I found that... Um, I would suggest uh, that if you can, get your spouse or significant other on board as quickly as possible. Um, I was able to do that for my spouse about a month, month and a half ago by um, going to the conference, that the one-day talk that Dr. Green offered. And I think we've made more progress in the last month and a half than just uh, the last two years. So I, it's, it's really nice to have somebody to bounce ideas off and to be caught not doing plan B very well 
and and reminded that that and, and redirected towards towards doing Plan B. Uh, I think that would help a lot, um, and it's just uh, don't give up. It, it really does work, and, and uh, you can make incremental gains, and sometimes you can make very big gains. Um, they all add up to a lot. Right. Not, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, Susie. Okay. Um, I was just going to say, and not to get discouraged, if you take a couple of steps backwards, it is baby steps. And Absolutely. Peter, that I, was yeah. Go ahead, Sharon. No, I'm agreeing with you. That's such a perfect statement. Uh, because you're going to take steps backwards. Yeah, and and just the part about getting your spouse on board. I think Dr. Green said it so well. It was a few conversations ago when he said, you know, don't forget you chose your spouse, you chose your significant other. So this is the time. Even though when things get bumpy, it's easy to um, blame or become divided, but it's now more than ever that you need to be a team and working together and as much as you can. Caller, what do you think? Great, great advice, and and, and I know I I was sent the, uh, the 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 link to the Lives and Balance website this weekend, and you know I immediately said to my husband, you need to go downstairs and get on the computer and spend some time on this because we need to we both need to be on on side with it, um, and we need to be aligned in our approach. So um, yeah, all, all great helpful stuff. Um, and uh, I appreciate all of the uh, the words of wisdom, and <laughs> look forward to future calls. Thank you. Here's, here's the good news. This program's going to be on um, for a very long time. If you run into trouble, you know where to call. Thanks. I, I'm sure I will be. I'm sure you'll be hearing my voice again. <laughs> we appreciate good you luck. calling in today. Thank you. Can I add um, something, Dr. Green? Sure. Just really quickly. I know Susie mentioned the use of um, listening on uh, DVD, um, and Actually, I, I found that some all of the radio programs that you have are available on podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes, and they are. Podcast, there's a podcast link. I keep them on my phone, actually, and when I get stuck, sometimes I go through the index. I just leave the room and I look at the index, and I'll listen to that one program, and I can sometimes um, I find it very helpful just to shortcut to that particular problem. But well, you can you keep know, the whole library with you. That's been my goal, is to put... As much out there, I have a mom who I sometimes work with who said the best thing about this program is it just reminds you. She said, I'm not, I don't always get something new out of every program. It just reminds me of the space I want to be in and the language I want to be using. And it sort of grounds me and it reminds me that I'm not alone. And um, I guess my attitude is that's the whole point. And the only thing I would add, I think that you all gave, you know, incredible advice and guidance to our caller. We heard about time. This is not going to happen quickly. We heard about getting on board, getting working together with your significant other. Um, the only thing I would add is, um, you know, there's that Hippocratic oath that I think applies to parents as well, do no harm. And, of course, if you're a parent, occasionally... You're, you are going to do harm. 
but sometimes the kids who I sometimes feel like I'm helping the most, sometimes I help by just removing as much of the harmful stuff as I possibly can, whether it's medication that isn't working or that's having side effects that are really not okay, whether it's how people are treating the kid, whether it's unrealistic expectations. Uh, sometimes, sometimes the best we can do is to do no harm. And on that note, I'm sorry to report we're done for today. We've run out of time. Okay. Thank you, Susie. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. You're very welcome. Thank you, Peter. Thank you also. I look forward to having you all back again next month. But as for today, uh, we do have to call it a day. My favorite program of the month is ending. Luckily, I've got another one to look forward to next month. Hope this program is informative for those who are listening in. Have a great week. I'll be back with you again next And the Parents Panel will be back with you in a month. In the meantime, take care.